the bottom of Marmaduke's food bowl. It's the IGN Digigods. Please welcome two men who stare at goats, Wade Major and Mark Kaiser. See, I told you, it's a totally catchy tune, right? It's getting real in the Whole Foods parking lot. Now you can't, hu- you can't stop humming it. But I, I don't know. Is Whole Foods a national chain? Yeah, national enough, I'm sure. Whole Foods national chain. For I don't those, think it is. For those just tuning in. Well, it's at least California. That makes all it national All stores. Enough. Hang on. All stores. Yeah. This but, is exciting. This is really this is a great way to start the show. For, for Whole Foods two, is in. Hang on, Whole Foods is in. Uh, actually, uh, a lot in, of states. It's in New York. A lot of states. I know. I, the the one at Columbus Circle is the greatest one I've ever been in. Well, they just uh, Whole Foods just came to New York relatively recently. Well, if, if how how like, in the last couple of years? Uh, no, the, the the Whole Foods that opened up at uh, the Warner Center in Columbus Circle right. was there in two thousand five. That was six years ago was when I right? was there. Yeah. Yeah, but Whole Foods has been here for. 15 years. Yeah, fine. So, but at the Whole Foods, I remember when you, the first time you came out of the Whole Foods in Columbus Circle. That was the best. You called the, me and said there was a chicken wing bar. That's it, the chicken wing bar, man. I had, I loaded up on $35 worth of chicken wings. It was absolutely obscene. Like nine different kinds and flavors. It was just, it was like heaven. I'm not sure they still have that. It was like did, Asgard. Did, did, what? Do they still have that chicken wing bar? To- I'm sure they do. They'd better. Anyway, now we're talking about a, a video on YouTube, a music video for a uh, hip hop song. Just do, just go on to YouTube and search for uh, Whole Foods parking lot. And uh, actually, the, the you know they shot the entire thing at the two Whole Foods, one on uh, the one on Montana near where you used to live, sure, and the one on Lincoln. That's right. The the brand new beautiful spanking one that replaced the big lots. They shot at those too. How awesome is that? Can I just can I say something? It's getting about, real in the Whole Foods parking lot. Can I say something about you chicken wings? You know the wings? deal with those little shopping carts they got. The thing with chicken wings is that yeah. y- you go to a place like Whole Foods, and they have you know mm-hmm. nine different types of chicken wing flavors and whatnot, and you realize <sighs> how many chickens have to die so that an entire s- society can s- swim in chicken wings. Is it really worth it? Yes, a hundred percent. Absolutely Just imagine right. the millions and millions of chickens that have yeah. to die so that every little podunk yes. store, yes, avian in, carnage in in Crib Death, Iowa, yes, can have chicken wings. Yes, it's it's necessary. It's necessary for my joy, for my pleasure, for my culinary edification. enjoyment, edification. So, yes. do you think that uh, that the chickens are proud to die, knowing that you're going to enjoy it? I don't think chickens really care. I don't think that's true. You know, and supposedly in slaughterhouses, which has a lot to do with DVDs. They try to escape. Well, it's like when supposedly when they're on the conveyor belt, and they're, they're screaming, "Save me, save me!" No, but like the there's a sense that the animals know what's about to happen because there's a lot of squealing and and yelling going on. If they didn't sense what was going to happen, they would just sit there and just go, "Whatever, dude," and then just suddenly be dead. I think that's human beings reading a lot into it. I, I, are you saying we're we're being anthropomorphic? Yes, I do. I don't know about that. Let's get into DVDs because we oh uh, we, DVDs that's yes, what we that's do what, that's what we <laughs> I thought do we here. talked yes. about chicken wings and yes. slaughterhouses. No, this is a DVD. We actually uh, yeah that's what we do here because we uh, you know we didn't get to TV last week. But I want you I want you to go off on your your mystery science glory this week. Well, I'm not going to. You know why? Because why? Um, I I have officially reached the tipping point, Wade. Enough with these. Really? Yes. Seriously? Yes. Enough. It's over. 
Wow. Well, because, you know, they used to have the, um, they used to release them in sets. Yeah. At first, they released them individually. Yeah. And I have a bunch of those. Mm-hmm. Then they released them in sets. And the sets, some of them are pretty ornate. Some of them came with little tiny uh, figurines. Do hickeys and do bobs and thingamajigs, yeah. Now it seems like with Hamlet and Gunslinger, they're back to the one-disc-only releases. And uh, although Hamlet and Gunslinger are, are f- uh, ab- above average, will there funny, ever be Will there ever be a master-boxed set of every single Mystery Science Theater ever? That's like asking if there'll be a, a box set of every single season of Doctor Who in one gigantic box set. There were that many. Can you ma- Yes. It was like 10 seasons worth. See, I'm still waiting for the box set of all, uh, the, 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 all the Dark Shadows. I mean, I've got them all, but, but it'd be nice to have them in a, in a big box set. You know what? Maybe I should have used Dark Shadows. Maybe I should have used that as the yeah, example instead of Doctor Who. Yeah. Anyway, so... No um, rewinding on this show. Gunslinger, Hamlet, good stuff. Uh, the only ones I like are the ones that have shorts first, and uh, neither of these do. So that's a bit of a knock on... Um, these two. Uh, honestly, unless you know Gunslinger and Hamlet to be hilarious on Mystery Science, and they are, but unless you love them, then there's so much other Mystery Science uh, product for you guys to check out. Yeah, groovy. I'd pass. All right, well, we're going to get into some TV now. Uh, we didn't get around to TV last week. Show ran, uh, it just it ran out of time. So uh, there actually is a lot of television this week, so we've got to blow through this quickly. But uh, season two of White Collar is out, and uh, you know what, Mark? The, those USA shows, generally speaking, I kind of feel like, meh. But uh, White Collar is kind of growing on me, I've got to be honest. And uh, for a couple of odd reasons. Uh, for starters, really good cast. It's a good cast. And um, I like Matt, uh, Matt Borner. I just think he's good. I think he's a really he's got a cool look. He's not he's he's like handsome, but he's uh there's something a little kind of creepy about him, a little little eerie, like a little sexy weird. And uh <laughs> yeah, and I have no it, idea what you just said. It it is and Tim Decay is terrific and uh the show is really well shot. Really well shot. Uh White Collar by the way is basically about an FBI agent and a con man and uh you know, an, an interesting crime-fighting duo, as it were. And, you know, when you, when you come from, like, when you are a con man and you kind of turn the tables on people who are like you, there's an interesting dynamic there. So uh, this comes with some uh, kind of feature-ready stuff, deleted scenes, gag reel, a few audio commentaries, none of which is all that fabulous, but it's a, it's a really well-shot show. It comes out, it's from uh, 20th Century Fox, uh, and um, it's, it's just a cool-looking show more than anything. And I don't say that about too many shows now. You don't wait, and uh, we're not going to say that about Supernatural. Supernatural Season 2 is now on Blu-ray. Now, uh, this show... Uh, is, is like... What is it? It's like Dawson's Creek with magic. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's like an x file thing where you get yeah. these two brothers who are, uh, you know, fighting evil to avenge their, uh, the death of their mother. And so there's some family backstory going on there. So they really mine for that as much as they can. Um, I'm not a huge fan of this show, mainly because one of the executive producers is McGee, and anything McGee puts his three-lettered name on, the M, the C, and the G, I just have to uh, hate. But uh, season two has 22 episodes. It has some unaired scenes, commentaries, gag reel, uh, a making of. And uh, so if you like the show, you'll definitely like it. I'm just not a big fan of it. I'm sort of done with the whole X-Files, Night Stalker, Kolchak. <laughs> yeah, I know. Thing. But um X Files really was just like Kolchak uh, revisited, wasn't it? 
Although you know who's good in, in this show is uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Remember Jeffrey Dean Morgan from sure uh, from uh, he was in Grey's Anatomy and he was yes. the best thing about Watchmen. Yes, he he he's on this show. Yeah, he's uh, Supernatural. I, I, I like him. He's good. Well, as long as we're talking about uh, cons, which I was a second ago before Mark so rudely interrupted me when I was talking about white collar. You know what's similar to white collar in certain respects is leverage. Uh, which I like leverage because it gives Tim Hutton work. Yeah, you know what? Gosh, I, Timothy Hutton's a guy who just never quite had the career that he should have had. But um, anyway, Timothy Hutton anchors Leverage, which is now on TNT in its third season. So many networks now with first-run dramatic shows. I mean, when you think back to the 70s and the 80s, it was just the three networks. And, man, now it's just everywhere. Everybody's making TV. And not, very little of it is very memorable. Anyway, um, you know, Leverage is, it really does ride heavily on uh, Timothy Hutton. In its third season now, the, uh, the, this Interpol-based show is it, it feels very comfortable. I'm still not totally on board with it. I, uh, you know, it, it still doesn't make me want to watch it on a regular basis. I'll watch a little bit on DVD when we get these things. But you know what? It's solid. It is. It's solid. And maybe I'll fall more in love with these characters over time. Uh, there, there's some actually some better than average stuff on here, to be honest. The special features include a thing on what does a producer do and inside the writer's room, which is... Some of the better behind-the-scenes stuff that I've ever seen on a TV season. Uh, so, really, I, I kind of applaud them for going outside the box just a little bit. But, uh, hey, look at this. New episodes start June 26th. They always time it that way, don't they? Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a coincidence. It, it must be. Well, I think. Yeah. Uh, there's a show that I was not uh, aware of until the uh, Blu-ray came out called Haven. And Haven is a... Uh, don't sci- be hating on Haven. Um, I'm kind of going to be. A little bit. Um, Haven is based on a Stephen King um, creation called The Colorado Kid. And the TV show uh, stars Emily Rose as an FBI agent who comes to this town called Haven looking for an escape murder. And she finds out that everybody in the town has some sort of supernatural ability. So uh, the stories are all about finding who murdered the person and then meeting the people in the town and they all have crazy abilities and some of it is kind of silly but some of it isn't bad it's been it's been uh, labeled Twin Peaks meets the X-Files oh great personally I'd rather see Twin Peaks and or the X-Files, X-Files than yeah. this but uh, you know you got the first season on Blu-ray it's uh, there's 12 audio commentaries uh, three making of featurettes did I mention that I'm really not happy that they canceled Brothers and Sisters Ugh. I'm kind of pissed off was that the one with Sally Field yeah I'm kind of pissed off. It was doing well in the ratings. It's a good show. They left us hanging. So, there's, like, there's like a whole, there's like a whole like gay family adoption thing going on there that I really want to know how it turns out. Damn it. Okay, but yeah, but Sally Field's going to play uh, Ma Kent in. Um, oh, the, the next uh, Superman. Superman. Woo. Did you, did you hear who's going to play Jor-El? Uh, the the, 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 uh, the Brando. Yeah, it was, it was Marlon Brando, right? They're gonna. Who's gonna play Jor-El? They're Who? gonna exhume him no, and and, uh, and pump him full of formaldehyde and burgers. This is old news. You ready? I know. Yeah, I know. I, I'd forgotten who it was. Russell Crowe. That's right. Yeah. All right. Fine. Russell Crowe, who's uh, who, who's been tweeting against circumcision. Uh, Burn Notice is another one of those USA shows. This is now in season four. I I'm not as enthused about Burn Notice, but it does have that USA sheen to it, which means that it's got high production value. Um, which is surprising because USA really has no business doing high production value shows, but they look good. Uh, not as good as Burn Notice, but uh, or not as good as uh, as uh, uh, X Files, Kolchak, Twilight Zone, Star Trek, The Torkelsons, All in the Family, Love American Style, the hell is Seinfeld. Wrong with you? Not as good as White Collar, <laughs> White which Collar. I was just talking about. Jeez. <laughs> what the, 
Anyway, uh, no, Burn Notice uh, now in his fourth season, but it has its following whatnot. And uh, this is, you know, more of a, an espionage kind of deal, which might be the reason it doesn't really work for me quite so well, because once you put espionage on television, anytime that's, you know, spies and, and uh, subterfuge, it just doesn't really feel quite as legit. Uh, but it's okay. It's fine. Uh, some deleted scenes and uh, behind-the-scenes stuff. A thing here called On the Stunts, which is decent. Um, and then, you know, selected audio commentaries. So, you know, once again, tied into the show now, starting with new seasons, with new uh, new episodes this season. Uh, there's a show on ABC Family that I don't quite understand called Pretty Little Liars. Oh, yeah. This, this actually has really quite a following. It does have a following. Yeah. And, uh, uh, but whether or not it'll translate to its second season will be interesting. Yeah. You know, the movie's about this. Uh, there's this uh, girl who vanishes. And so these the four BFFs of this town, Rosewood, they figure that their pretty little lies are safe forever. But when Allison or somebody named A starts texting them, their it, secrets might be it, it well the whole idea the whole idea here i think is to is to try and do a desperate housewives for a younger demo uh, cuz all the desperate housewives are in their 40s and they wanted to kind of you know give the 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 20 somethings and the tweens something uh, along the same lines what i think they miss is the desperate housewives is satire this is not satire this means to be straight up melodrama but it it definitely has a following so it's apparently hit a nerve so we'll we'll see how it goes well, season one is on uh, is on uh, DVD. This is not a Blu-ray. Yeah. Special features include the unaired scenes, uh, stuff from the set, the making of, and uh, interviews with the girls, the uh, these uh, four girls. So there you go. Pretty Little Liars, season one. You know why I'm really happy that we have Stargate Universe, uh, the final season? Because it's final. Yes, uh, true. It, it's the final season, and that makes me happy that it's the final season. But here's the real reason I'm really happy is because now, finally, Robert Carlyle can get back to doing real movies again. Exactly. Like, this guy is so much talent, and it's so wasted on television, especially on uh, Stargate Universe, that could let's put him in movies again, could we please? I'm sure he was thrilled for the regular paycheck, and I'm sure the residuals are just going to be, you know, the greatest thing ever. But really, Robert Carlyle should be in A-list movies all the time. Well, the fact is that now that he has enough money, thanks to the show, he yeah, can afford hope. to yeah. appear in little films that mean something to him. You know, it's weird. Uh, hang so, on, hang on. I, here's what's weird. Hmm. Uh, a first sink. If I had a first sink, that'd be weird. You'd be like, why do you have a first sink? The whole idea is that this thing is porcelain or whatever. You can't have fur. It's going to get dirty and smelly and wet. You got, you got a real sink. And then what happens when you drop the soap in the sink? And then you got to pick it up. And then this soap, uh, the fur's all soapy. And that'd be weird. Wow. I don't, I don't, I, I can't. I'm speechless. That's what well, that If you're speechless, I, I, I'll, I'll, strange, I'll say that It's the strangest thing I've ever heard. It makes sense. Um... All I don't even know sense. where to go from there. Okay. It all makes sense. Uh, Stargate Universe final season. Wow, there it is. No, I was going to... My weird was now we're even close to that weird. I, I can't even go on with the story now. Uh, you get featurettes, the usual thing, selected commentaries, yada, yada, yada. And uh, a little deal behind the season two finale, Gauntlet. Um, and cast interviews. Nothing spectacular. If you love it, then you won't care what I'm saying about it. But carry on. Uh, Squidbillies is one of those uh, Adult Swim shows. Some of them I guess, some of them I don't. As we you don't know, get this one. as you know, I, I just recently uh, uh, warmed up to Robot Chicken, which I think is really funny now. 
Uh, it took it me a while. It took a while, I know. It did, but Robot Chicken's funny. I haven't funny. gotten there yet. Squidbilly's not funny. This is all about uh, these crazy creatures who live in uh, North Georgia. There is a funny episode here called America, Why I Love Her, and it's all about illegal aliens taking American jobs. That's kind of funny, but the, the, the animation's so lame on these things. I know. Uh, there's in-studio musical recording footage, which I think is kind of cool. Is pretty much the only uh, extra, although there's a couple more. Um, there you go, Squidbillies Volume Four. I haven't, I have not warmed to this show yet. I'm not quite there. Yeah. It'll take a while. By season twelve. Yeah, there you go. If it makes it that long, you know, it, uh, I have really mixed feelings on this next one here. This is. Uh, <laughs> I always have to worry anytime you see a, a, a DVD that has, or anything for that matter, that has that sticker as seen on TV. It's like that is just so 1950s. Yeah, but it's I, I Dean Martin. The best of the Dean Martin variety show. Awesome. Now, this is from Time Life, who, of course, has released uh, this. This actually is, should be available in stores now, and it used to be uh, uh, mail order only or, you know, internet order only. Um, here's the thing. The Dean Martin variety show, which debuted in 1965, was kind of the golden. It was one of the great variety shows during the golden age of variety shows. You had just tons of variety shows already from the late 50s. Uh, right on into the 70s when we had, you know, Donnie, Sonny and Marie, Donnie and Marie, Sonny and Cher, Captain Ma- and Man- Mandrell sisters, Captain no, no, and Tennille, no, 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 no. Ju- Sh- Judy Garland, Shields and, Shields Yarnell. and Yarnell, sure, yeah. and, uh, you know, um, oh, what was the thing with, uh, uh, oh, the, the, the Pink Lady and Jeff. Oh, my gosh, that was the greatest train wreck of all time. That is just, and that's one of my treasured DVD collections, uh, treasured DVDs in my uh, collection, you know, Pink Lady and Jeff. Yes. Oh, my gosh, I pull that out every time I want to scare people. It's great on Halloween. The children just uh, turn white. Uh, the uh, the best of the Dean Martin variety show uh, combines a lot of really great highlights from the show uh, with all kinds of great figures from the era, music performances. I mean, it's really a lot of fun. You, you, Sammy Davis Jr., obviously, and Jack Benny, Bob Hope, uh, Phyllis Diller. It's It's just really, really terrific stuff on here. However, I feel like it's not enough. And I, I do feel like they skimped a little, and they didn't necessarily put all the best stuff on here. You really do feel almost like you're watching a commercial. And that said, there's a lot of material on here. I mean, this is like six hours of material. But it just doesn't, um, I don't know, it, it, it just feels like I, like I wanted more. I want complete episodes. I want to, I want to feel... More. I want more. So, uh, Time Life, go back. Go back Wait. to the... Seriously. Always wanting more. Yeah, I want more of this. But uh, anyway, that being said, the beauty of this is that Dean Martin... Do you know how he, how he handled these shows? This is hysterical. He never rehearsed. He never did anything. He drank. He, he, well, he barely... I mean, he was always soda water. You know, the drunk thing was a bit of a routine that he did. But he would... He, literally, the writers would work the show up the, with the director. They'd get everything settled. And then the day of... Dean would just mosey in and say, all right, let's go. And he'd just read the cue cards, and sometimes he wouldn't even read them very well, and he'd walk over and adjust the cue cards, and it became a train wreck. And so all of the best laid plans for every episode to try and make this thing go seamlessly would just fall apart once Dean walked in because he never rehearsed. When you see, when you see him doing his stuff, that is literally the first time he's even aware of any of it. <laughs> he is just – he treats his show so casually with such a cavalier attitude, and somehow that makes it more fun, the fact that it's just a train wreck. Every well, single one. There's there's a certain live wire sense when you watch those shows that anything could happen as I opposed to Martin. today when it seems yeah. all so overly rehearsed. I love Dean Martin. I mean, you, even something like SNL, there's not a whole lot of 
I mean, it's live, but you don't feel the spontaneity that you used to feel. Did, did you watch Brooke Shields completely bonk the uh, the opening number on the Tonys? No. Oh, it was hysterical. You got to go. Go on to YouTube. Tony's opening number. Neil Patrick Harris is is perhaps the greatest talent that we have a living in the world. <laughs> he really is. He's so unbelievably talented. It blows my mind. He Doogie really Howser. Who knew? Right? Who knew at that time? No. And it's anyway. The the opening bit involves going into the audience and having some of the members of the audience kind of uh, do a little shtick, a little singing shtick, and uh, clearly Brooke, who is my age. You know, we're both the same uh, same year. Uh, she, she, uh, apparently she's having some of the same eyesight issues. Oh, really? Yeah, you know, far-sighted, nearsighted. Once we hit that age, you know. Nope, not me. Goes to hell. Yeah, tell me about it. Give it, a year, give it a year or two. But uh, anyway, she couldn't read her cue card, so she had to pull out a little piece of paper. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Tell, I, lo- I know you love that show. I know From, you do. From uh, Tyler Perry's House of Lucrative Crap comes uh, House <laughs> of Pain, Volume 8. Now, wait, read what's... Read what... Okay. Um, Read the uh, the little circle yeah. on the uh, cover there. <laughs> Includes 24 episodes, episodes 149 through 172. Wow. You know what? Wait. Honey, we have to go to the store. And which, which, is, the, which is the DVD that has episode uh, 152 <laughs> and 157? Because I like those. Yeah, but honey, which one that has 148? God darn it. Volume 7 has 148, but Volume 8 has 152, 156. we got to get those two now. Who so ca- you're, you're saying people who don't... Who cares <laughs> what number the episode is? It really does. It says includes 24 episodes. Episodes 149 to 172. Who cares? And then, and, then, and then look what it has on the back. But you know what? Only in the early days of DVD, when, yeah. only in the early days of DVD, when they need to fill up the, the back of the box with something... Did they list all the, the episodes? All the episode titles. Yeah, there it is again, honey. We have to get the episode called uh, uh, "Rest for the Weary." I love that one. That's the <laughs> one where Mister Payne uh, is mean to his wife. But I thought that was episode one hundred and one through one hundred and seventy-two. I don't understand the show. Yeah, I know. I don't understand Tyler Perry. I mean, I respect him because he he figured it out. But he did. I just don't he nailed get it. it. I just don't get it. Uh, you know what? Doesn't matter if the show's good or not. He's a great guy. Tyler Perry, that guy. He's, he's a great guy. Man. Is he really? Yeah, he's just a good, uh, just really sweet guy. Uh, if you are a uh, a uh, shopper who loves your local Target, uh, there is a Target exclusive from Paramount, which would be uh, the best of I Love Lucy. Now, I am going to normally recommend that people go out and you just just get the whole damn I Love Lucy set. I mean, just get it. There's not a single bad episode anywhere in I Love Lucy's entire run, and you should own it. You should own it. You should uh, you should have it for your children and your grandchildren, and just for posterity. Everybody's got to watch every episode of I Love Lucy. If there's one that you've missed, you're it's un-American. Can I can I say something controversial? You've never seen I Love Lucy. I, I no I, I Love Lucy. Yeah, not funny. It, it, communist. You are a communist. <laughs> serious. You're a communist. It's okay. It's not like I, I I've, I've never doubled over laughing. Maybe the thing with the conveyor belt. Even even meet a vita vegemin. Yeah, didn't, didn't, that was funny. Okay, did, did John Wayne and the, with the Groundman's Chinese. Yeah, okay, that was funny too. William Holden. Yeah, Come was, on, that was, that was funny too. The, with, the, with the Martians, gleep gleep, Bradley sneak clock it at the top of the Eiffel, the the Empire State yeah, Building. Maybe. <laughs> See, there's a lot of good stuff, man. Yeah. It's great. Lucy hanging from the palm tree in Hollywood in front of the window. God, it's priceless. Anyway, uh, so here's the thing. If you're going to be a cheap deal, uh, you know, stingy meister, go ahead. Just go to Target and say, oh, I just want a handful of episodes. 
and get yourself the best of I Love Lucy, which includes 14 episodes, not necessarily the 14 best, but there are good ones here. Uh, there's Paris at Last, which is quite funny, and Lucy gets a Paris gown. That Those are both great from their little European uh, journey. The Freezer is quite funny. Remember, with all the icicles on her face, that's good. Uh, you know, the job switching, the chocolate factory bit, that's with the conveyor belt. Uh, Lucy does a TV commercial, that's the, the Vitamita Vegemin. Uh, you know, so you do get a lot of the, the really good ones. The Harpo Marx episode, L.A. at Last. I mean, these are some very, very good episodes. But, look, you know, I could, I could pick another 14 that would be even funnier very easily. So you're not necessarily getting really the best of I Love Lucy. You're just getting 14 episodes that are kind of, you know, enough for somebody that just wants something to pass the time. But, look, you're going to want the whole season uh, or the whole series. I'm telling you, you want the whole series. Trust me. And then uh, we've also got Rawhide, Volume 1, fourth season. Uh, I just I wish they'd stop doing this split into the seasons, but they do it with all these old shows because they had a lot of episodes back in the day. And uh, you get, you know, close to 13 hours worth of stuff here on four discs. This is from the 1961-62 season. And uh, I don't know, it, it, it's getting a little old for me. Rawhide's a fun show in small doses, I guess. And Clint Eastwood, it's nice to see him, you know, young and virile and uh, very black and white. But I don't know, the, uh, the Western shows back in the day uh, just had a certain flavor to them. And I'm getting a little bit tired of it, seen a little bit too much of it lately. But um, that being said, uh, you know... Go, I mean, just, you know, I'm not going to convince somebody who loves Rawhide not to go and get themselves another half a season of Rawhide. Wait, you love this guy. Why do you love this guy so much? Uh, oh, oh, Louis C.K.? Yes. He's friggin' funny. He's just insanely politically incorrect. Uh, yeah, this is, this is, you know, what's interesting about this Louis uh, C.K. thing, this is Louis, the complete first season. And um, I think this is, you know, Louis C.K. had that previous network sitcom that didn't really work very well. It, that thing got canceled in no time because you couldn't really let him be himself. This is a little bit better because it's on FX, but it's still not like if it were on uh, HBO or something. So, uh, you know, season two is starting literally next week. So, obviously, this is another one of those tie-ins. That they, they time these things, every single one of them. Like, literally, all these seasons that we're talking about, with the exception of shows like like Rawhide and, you know, I Love Lucy, obviously, they're just tying them in. They're releasing the first season right as the second season starts so that people can catch up. Anyway, uh, there's... You know, this is obviously very, very close to the bone for him. It's written more closely to his uh, his actual life. It tries to sort of do for him what Seinfeld did for Seinfeld, so it's like a dark Seinfeld. And uh, I, it, it, it's it's good, it's good, and it's uh, it's got some great guest stars on it. Uh, you know, Ricky Gervais is is terrific in uh, in his little spot. Um, so I'm willing. I think uh, I think this is getting there now. What I think is more interesting than anything else about this, uh, this is a 20th Century Fox release. This is a double sided disc, Blu-ray on one side, DVD on the other, and I find it very inconvenient. I don't like it. Um, it does not, for example, work very well in uh, slot drives. So if you want to watch the DVD in your computer and you have a slot loading drive in your computer, it's a little problematic. Why and is you, that? Because it's 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 it, the thickness is not quite right. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, for some it might be, but for others it's not. And let's say you got a slot drive in your car and you want to watch the DVD in your car and your DVD player in the car, sometimes problematic. So uh, that being said, that one caveat, I hope they, they abandon this, this double-sided DVD and Blu-ray thing. I'd rather have two separate discs. I really would. 
just makes more sense. But anyway, that's uh, Louie, the complete first season. And, uh, you know, I think this, uh, this show has some uh, has future to it. You know what show doesn't have a future to it? Uh, I don't know. I'm being mean. Big Time Rush, uh, season oh, yes. two. This is a Nickelodeon show about uh, four kids who uh, start a band. And the uh, creator of this show uh, actually admitted that he had based the show on the monkeys. Really? The Monkeys, of course, was hilarious. This show isn't quite hilarious, um, but it does include uh, four, uh, you know, pretty boys and a lot of music. I mean, we're not talking about the great music that they had with the monkey they had with the monkeys, but uh, still some catchy crap. Yeah. Uh, there's a there's the pilot episode is included here and a behind the scenes, and this two DVD set. Big awesome. Time Rush Season 2, Wade, Mr. Ed, complete good season. This is 26 episodes from the 1964-1965 season. Mr. Ed, of course, is about a talking horse. Never liked this show. Uh, yeah. And this was, and this should have been a show that I would love, but I never got into it, even as a kid. I, I, just, I just thought it was lame. I kind of liked it because there was a talking horse. Yeah, but it never the, the stories were lame. Yeah, but he's a talking horse. But he never. I just did didn't didn't work for me. Yeah, but the, the horse was talking. Yeah, well, I'm. Well, you a communist? The horse is talking. I know. Yeah, but it wasn't. I love Lucy. <laughs> Thank you. Looks like now, we're both if the horse today. was trying to stuff chocolates down his dress on the conveyor belt, then yeah, yeah, that's yeah. good time comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mister Ed, season five. It's got a bunch of uh, Mister Eds on him. A couple of British things we're going to wrap out with. We know how much Mark loves the Brit stuff. Uh, we got a Doctor Who here from the John Pertwee years. John Pertwee, of course, the father of Sean Pertwee. Oh yeah, you know Sean Pertwee. He's one. Of, he's one of that whole British brat pack thing. With oh the, yeah, with, with the you know Sadie Frost and uh, all those guys. Oh yeah. Okay, whatever. Anyway, uh, Doctor Who: Terror of the Autons. This is from uh, the early nineteen seventies. And boy, does it look like it. Uh, now, I like John Pertwee. I think he's a great Doctor Who. He was one of the last old Doctor Whos who was really very old and professorial and officious. And uh, uh, you know, there's something fun about that still that I really kind of miss with all these young, sexy Doctor Whos that we've gotten uh, in the last uh, 20 years or so. But, uh, you know, uh, hey, they, they all have their place, and the old ones don't go away, and the production value is crap here. But uh, there's something kind of nostalgic and fun about this. I think this was 1971 when this one, this whole adventure actually was aired. Anyway, uh, lots of extras here, audio commentary and uh, lots of uh, lots of featurette material and cool holds like a PDF section where they've got original radio listings and uh, it's actually it's it's quite a quite a feast for a Doctor Who fan. And then if you still haven't gotten enough of your Brit, well, this is now this is not for British television, but it is British themed. This was actually for American television, and uh, boy, Lifetime somehow got it all together just in time to do a, uh, a dramatic version of William and Kate, just as they actually got married, the real uh, William and Kate, and uh, it's kind of silly and cheesy. Uh, it really looks like the kind of thing that they just threw together as fast as they possibly could. The second that they heard that there was an engagement, they got this thing in the move. They just started cranking it out. You and know what? For some silly. reason, American audiences love William and Kate. They I, love it. They love and Look, it could have been like the royal hamster marrying the royal dog, and they would have loved it. Anything that's royal, I don't get it. I don't get you it know, we, Well, because we, we don't have royalty here. Yeah, we fought a war to get rid of it, for crying out loud. Ah, uh, well, anyway. So there you go. You know, if you haven't gotten enough of the, uh, the whole royal wedding thing, there's this cheesy Lifetime movie, William and Kate. So rock on. 
All right, Mark. Hang on, wait, wait, hang on. This is a code. Do you want to just say, okay. Uh, oh, yeah, well, some animated stuff. Get Rocco's that out of the way. Rocco's Modern Life, season one. Rocco's Modern Life is another uh, Nickelodeon show. This um, is uh, pretty good. It features the voice of Tom Kenny, who does uh, SpongeBob SquarePants. Here we have um, 13 episodes, 26. 13 episodes, 26. I, each. Let me try that again, Wade. Each episode has two adventures in it. So there's 13 episodes, 26 adventures. And, um, you know, Rocco's a, he's a wallaby. Yes, he is. I'm just saying. And he's uh, crazy. Not really for me, obviously, because it's for kids. Yeah, um, anyway, here we have on Blu-ray and DVD combo pack Thor, Tales of Asgard, the Thor film. Uh, of course, uh, this is this, this, you know, started out okay, and I think it's kind of uh, dying on the vine. Uh, this is this sort of animation. I, I it's better than the filmation crap we talked about last week, sure, uh, with the Avengers mm-hmm. uh, DVD and Blu ray. But still, I, I'm telling you, if, yeah. if, if the animation We're as was good the as animation th- on the cover, it'd be great. I agree, but that yeah. requires too much work. But you know, I, I'll give them credit. They uh, this Thor Tales of Asgard, they really loaded this thing up. Is it's two di- it's two discs. There's a bunch of features on it, including some uh, Blu-ray exclusives, audio commentaries, uh, episode information, and good stuff. There you go. Uh, okay, now Wade. Honestly, mm, yeah, I'm going to show you something. You, oh, you, I'd rather you know we're not we're close friends. But we're not that close. <laughs> and you are going to um, you are going to recoil in horror that yes. you liked this animated show when you were a kid. Mm-hmm. I actually didn't. Really? I was, no, I was not a fan of the Herculoids. No, but the but he, it had that rhinoceros that would shoot stuff out I of his know, horn. I know. This is more of that uh, that superhero era uh, uh, Hanna Barbera stuff, and uh, you know the, the whole space ghost thing. And no, I was not into the Herculoids. Herculoids is it a felt like um, their attempt to do uh, the Fantastic Four, like a prehistoric Fantastic Four. This is the complete series. The Herculoids. Herculoids was a Saturday morning animated TV show. It was uh, produced by Hanna Barbera. It ran. Uh, it debuted in nineteen sixty seven on CBS. And um, you know they're the Herculoids. They look like cavemen, but they're defending their planet from uh, crazy Whatever. creatures. And uh, it's <laughs> come on, Xandor. Yeah. Whatever. Santa's the protector of, of, of Amazon. That's fantastic. Yeah. Just give it. it, it, it no. It's Herculoids. Whatever. What are you, Grinch? It's the Herculoids. <laughs> yeah. It's all American. <laughs> That's as American as mom and apple pie. Uh, we're going to get into some movies now. And uh, first off is an old movie, a classic movie, a great old noir from Robert Aldrich, which is now a terrific Criterion release. That would be Kiss Me Deadly. Uh, you know what? What I, I I love the fact that they they just totally own the whole noir thing with this. They really do. Uh, the way it's packaged is is just Criterion at their best. You always know that Criterion just has it completely going on. This is now out in uh, DVD and Blu-ray. They sent us the Blu-ray, and it's great. They have the original tagline for the movie on the uh, the cover of the DVD as well. It says "Kiss Me Deadly," Mickey Spillane's latest H bomb. Back in the day when they used to say things like H-bomb. Well, that's what this... I mean, this was the Mike Hammer... Uh, this was one yeah. of the original Mike Hammer films. Yeah, 1955. Yeah. Right, and, and, it's, and that's why it's H-bomb. You know, you're five years or ten years after the, uh, you know, the, the end of World War II, and uh, Cold War is in full swing. And uh, this, is, this just so represents that era. It's absolutely terrific. Uh, Ralph Meeker who otherwise is just a, a nobody today. I mean, nobody remembers him, but he does a really, really, really good Mike Hammer. 
And uh, it's just you, you totally feel exactly what Mickey Spillane wanted out of all this. It's just this is quintessential. And there's a terrific documentary on here as well from 1998 called uh, Mike Hammer's Mickey Spillane. Which, if you are not familiar with either the character or the author, you will uh, learn so much. And even if you are, you'll love it. It's just, uh, it's, it's absolutely ten- fantastic. There's also a new video tribute on here from Alex Cox, believe it or not. I was wondering, like, what's he been up to lately? Doing video tributes. That's what he's up to. But uh, this is terrific. This is great. You were going to say something, Mr. Kaiser? <laughs> You look like you, you, you were chomping at the bit there. No, I, I, I like this film. I, I, I'm a big noir. I've become a big noir fan. And Criterion does great noir. You know, they're Pick Up on South Street, yeah. Pick Up on South Street uh, yeah. DVD. Criterion is terrific. Yeah. Uh, they're Night of the Hunters, terrific. Yep. Kiss Me Deadly, terrific. Yeah. I like great. the Criterion noir stuff. I, uh, the, uh, the one sheet for this, I remember, was, was like uh, Blood Red Kisses, White Hot Thrill. Oh, it's great. Love that stuff. Fun. Love it. And then we got a couple little compilations. You know who's in this here. movie, by the way? Who? Small role, Cloris Leachman. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. And a Strother young, Martin. A, a young Cloris Leachman. Oh, yeah. And Strother Martin. Nobody remembers Strother Martin anymore. From, uh, you know, from uh, Cool Hand Luke. No, yeah, but nobody remembers him anymore. But what we have here is well, a we'll failure. Cafe, yeah, too. Communicate. It's a failure to say things. Uh, a couple of little dits here from uh, Shout Factory. One is the Wild West Collection. This includes uh, a couple of B-Westerns that everybody's completely forgotten about, but they're all right. Uh, the first one is Rio Conchos with Richard Boone, Stuart Whitman, and Tony Franciosa. How's that for a B-cast, huh? Tony Franciosa. I know. Richard Boone. I feel a Dario the, Argento film coming on. <laughs> Richard Boone, the, uh, the, the, well, you could, what is he, like the, the poor man's uh, Charles Bronson, I guess, right? Isn't Charles that what we Bronson. called him once? And then uh, Take a Hard Ride. Which is kind of a crossover between uh, exploitation western and black exploitation. This stars the man who probably made more bad westerns than any of the, a human being in history, Lee Van Cleef. Though we like him in Escape from New York, don't we? Damn right. Yeah, we do. And along with uh, Jim Brown, Fred Williamson, and Jim Kelly, man, right on. Love that. So cool. Uh, neither of these is very good, I'll tell you. But, you know, there's a cheesy quality to them that makes them immensely fun to watch. Now, Rio Conchos has... They definitely represent two different eras of Western. Rio Conchos was made in 1964 and uh, Take a Hard Ride in 1975. So, you know, the first is right from the, the original exploitation era. The latter is from an era when the only exploitation films really were black exploitation films. But uh, you get some great new interviews with Fred Williamson and Jim Kelly on here. And I got to tell you, as someone who has interviewed Fred Williamson, um, he's great. This interview is terrific, but you, you can't get enough of Fred Williamson. The guy is... Uh, He's oftentimes ridiculed for just being kind of a cheeseball, but he, you know, Fred Williamson is a smart, smart guy with a lot of great stories and a great raconteur. So he's cool. He's great. The Hammer. He was the original Hammer. That's what he was. Not Mike Hammer. No. And then we also have from uh, Shout Factory the Women in Cages collection. This is part of the Roger Corman's cult classics line. And this is a triple feature that includes the Big Bird Cage, Big Doll House, and Women in Cages. And, uh, you know, this was a subgenre at the time that was extremely popular with a lot of people. And uh, it's just kind of silly and cheesy now. But it, uh, there's, a, there's kind of a goofy nostalgia factor that somehow makes it fun to watch even though you are cringing at the same time. Two of these directed by the great Jack Hill, an exploitation film specialist. 
and uh, all three of them featuring the uh, the immortal, the wonderful, the fantastic, and fabulous Pam Greer. Though she's referred to as Pamela Greer in one of them, which is one directed by Jerry DeLeon. But, uh, you know, Roger Corman was, uh, he cranked this stuff out as a producer especially, and uh, I, I, got, I got no big problems with these. Uh, there's an audio commentary with Jack Hill on uh, Big Dollhouse and uh, loads and loads of interviews and a lot of great nostalgia. Um, you know, some of the others in this genre, not necessarily these three, but some of the others were actually written by uh, Jonathan Demme. You know that? I Jonathan, did not know Jonathan that. Jonathan Demme wrote a lot of crap for Corman back in the day. Oh, yeah. Uh, Wait, since when did Liam Neeson become an action star? Uh, isn't, he like the most taken. Un- isn't he the most unlikely action guy ever? Actually, it was probably Rob Roy. That's sort of when I think it it started. Yeah, he's an unlikely action guy. I mean, well, Rob Roy is not is not a contemporary story, but Taken, which Wade and I liked a lot, a lot. Uh, I don't know why Liam Neeson would do the same film again. Here, Unknown. Now, in Unknown, he uh, plays a doctor who uh, wakes up after a car accident and uh, discovers his wife doesn't recognize him, and uh, he has to figure out who he is. Here we have a Blu-ray, a uh, digital copy, and a DVD all in one big set, courtesy of Warner Brothers. And, uh, you know, I just, I mean, this film is pretty stupid, and the plot holes are pretty large. Um, I would just as well rewatch Taken, because I was a big fan of yeah, Taken. Yeah, I don't know why he would do that. Taken was a lot of fun. I don't know why he'd do that. And I just don't know why he would do the same film again. Nor do and I. And not as good. Very peculiar. But it's a, it's a good-looking Blu-ray. Got a couple of weird little uh, interesting obscure releases here, both of them uh, from Kino. Kino has released DVDs and Blu-rays of uh, The Romantic English Woman uh, and uh, Priest of Love. Now, th- here's, here's the deal on each of these. These are, these are kind of weird little nostalgia things. Uh, the Romantic English Woman is a movie by Joseph Losey, the great American director who worked primarily as a British director. Uh, after becoming an expat, a little bit like Richard Lester. Traitor. Yeah, well, you know, he made, like, he made The Servant. I mean, he made a lot of great British movies, and I don't think this is one of them, but it's a very interesting film. This is kind of in his waning years, the later part of his career. In 1975, he, he cranked this out. And I would recommend this only because it has two of the great actors of the era in it, Glenda Jackson and Michael Caine. Um, it, not obviously the best performance you're going to see either of them do, but it's, um, it, you know what, it's... If you if you do like them, if you want to watch them, uh, if you sort of want to be a completist and enjoy Glenda Jackson. By the way, Glenda Jackson's serving in Parliament now, isn't she? She's been doing that for years. Yeah, she has she not did. acted in many, many years. I want her to act. Please leave Parliament, Glenda. Leave the House of Commons. You're not common. We need you to, uh, you know, make be uncommon. Again. Be an uncommonly good actress. Yeah, exactly. Anyway. Uh, but Michael Caine plays, the, uh, plays a novelist in here who... Um, uh, let's say there are. Let's say there. He he has certain uh, infidelity issues with his wife, and uh, the, you know the, you get some of those interesting, uh, like the the some of the same stuff Losey did in the Servant, where you get into these weird kind of fantasy sequences, and you're not sure what's real and what isn't. He tries to do a little bit of that here, less successfully, I think. Um, the screenplay is by Tom Stoppard of all people, and. Uh, you know, it's it's very groovy, so it's definitely of its era. You're going to see a movie definitely that just reeks of 1975. But um, you know what? Any film by Losey is certainly worth uh, watching on any level, uh, even if it's not his very best. The uh, the second film here, Priest of Love, um, 
is in some ways even more curious. This has a really good cast. It's got a young Ian McKellen and a, uh, an older Ava Gardner and a very, very good John Gilgood in it. Uh, this was made in uh, 1981. And, um, you know, uh, it, it really went under everybody's radar even in 1981. I, I, this is just, you know, a lot of people are thinking Ava Gardner was still making movies in 1981. Really? Yeah, yeah, she was actually. I'm not even sure that this got a proper theatrical release in the U.S., but nonetheless, uh, this is uh, this is actually about D.H. Lawrence. It is not uh, it is not a film based on a book by D.H. Lawrence. This is a biopic of D.H. Lawrence with uh, Ian McKellen playing D.H. Lawrence, and uh, it's got its moments. You know, not brilliant. Director Christopher Miles is not the best guy uh, to be doing this kind of a thing, but. You know what? It does a, it's a decent insight and probably would make a nice double feature or a triple feature with some other stuff by D.H. Lawrence. So marginal recommendation there. Speaking of D.H. Lawrence, uh, on DVD this week is the Adjustment Bureau. And Wade and I were talking about this before we started the show. What a, what a, a bit of a near miss this was. Boy, there was an idea there. But somehow it didn't really trust it. I, I just feel like this movie should have been a lot better. It should have... It should have... Uh, it should yeah. not have been scared yeah. to be really stylish and unique. And in the end, it just felt a little... Uh, like it pulled its punches. It pulled its punches. Yeah, I agree. You know, this is Matt Damon playing a guy who discovers that his fate and the fate of all people are decided on by this mysterious unseen force. Yeah, well, this it's group this, of this people. group of people. I, uh, you know, the film has a... This is, this is the thing with Hollywood. Hollywood is so afraid to sort of go to a religious or a spiritual place in movies. And if there's kind of anything that even reeks of a, of a religious subtext, they run away from it or they try to kind of blunt it so that they, they don't offend like Emily Blunt. Yeah, Ba-bam! Who's in the movie? But, I, you know, it's like, look, own it, you know? Uh, there's there, People are not... I know a lot of people who are just straight up, you know, not fans of religion, but they're not afraid of movies that have... that sort of go into these interesting religious and spiritual places. And yet, the only time Hollywood ever seems to want to go there is in horror films. Like, I'm an angel, and the, the evil, the forces of evil are attacking the earth, and the exorcist, and the omen. It's like, no, you don't, it's, don't save it for horror films. If you're going to go there, go there. And every, by the end of this movie, everybody knew that they went there, but it felt like they, were, they, they just want, still wanted to try and convince you that they weren't really going there. Yeah, they're going there. Uh, you know what, I, I think I, all, all that being said, and you're right, but I, I think I probably would have bought the film ultimately if I cared about them. Yeah. Their relationship. Are they going to get together? Do they love each other? Yeah. Uh, you know, basically this is the story of people, of two people who are trying to fight fate itself to be together. True. And that's a very sweeping romantic idea that is not really serviced by this film because this film is too intent on having him put on a hat that makes him go from one yeah, place to another yeah. when he opens the door. So I just feel like there was something here. But, but I'm still going to recommend really... it. I'm still going to recommend it. Yeah. Despite all my reservations, I still think it's worth watching because it's better than 98% of the crap. Uh, at least it tried to be something. That is true. It was directed by uh, the guy who... Uh, directed by um, George Nolfi, who uh, wrote The Bourne Ultimatum in Ocean's 12. Uh, I would like to see him direct a film again. Yeah. And I would like to see him... He'll get uh, better. I'd like to see him put his fears aside and just do it. Yeah. Uh, with Transformers 3... Assaulting Ooh. theaters momentarily. Shortly. We have the Blu-ray of the first. I mean, every Michael Bay film sucks, but I think that this is the first Michael. This is the first Michael acknowledged Michael Bay disappointment, and that is the Island. 
This is with Ewan McGregor and Scarlett Johansson. This is a very Twilight zone story about uh, two crazy kids, Ewan McGregor and Scarlett Johansson, who um, live on this isolated island, this crazy high-tech compound. And what are they doing on the island? What's their deal? It's, just, it's, like, Logan, it's like Logan's run crossed with a, a, a half a dozen other really just it, – it, it, just, it was just bad. Did this you? Movie was, oh, it made no sense at all. Did you hear, by the way, who who might be redoing Logan's Run? No, Nicholas Winding Refn. You know that's very interesting to me. Although not as interesting as Brian Singer. I really wanted Brian Singer to do that. Why does Brian Singer keep walking away from movies that I want him to direct? I don't know, but Nic- but I love Nicholas Winding Refn. I still want to see. Great. I want to see Battlestar Galactica by 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 uh, Brian Singer too. Stop it. Just... So so that Battlestar Galactica you would watch. Yeah, but the one that they had. No. No, didn't like no, that. No. So, Mark, I know you've been avoiding uh, having to talk about this, so I'm going to go ahead and talk about Big Mamas Like Father Like Son, because I know you love this so much and you just can't bring yourself to express your love. So bad. Uh, this and is by a- the way, yeah. guess who's going to write, guess who's supposed to be supposedly writing Logan's Run? Alex mm. Garland. Oh, that's interesting. Alex Garland, yeah. script, winding refin, yeah. directing. Yeah. Tell me, tell me, you are not on board. I'm on board until the studio takes it away from them and recuts it exactly. because they, they get ref and gives. They will have like you know people disemboweling Vikings and stuff like that. Refn will will give them something that they're. It's going to be like when uh, Oliver Hirschbiegel directed uh, uh, the um, the invasion. The invasion. That, that's it, what they're going to get. They're going to they, they're going to get a really intense European director, and they think he's going to like play Hollywood with them. And he's going to give them something very smart and uh, a little too adult and not quite commercial enough. And they're going to freak out. and They're going to take it away, and they're going to recut it. And exactly. you're not going to get a Refn film. I'm still waiting to see Hirschbiegel's original cut of the Invasion. That's what no, I want to see. Like the, there are some scenes in the Invasion. Not to talk about a bad movie that's yeah. been out forever, but there are some scenes in the Invasion when you realize the movie he was trying to make, like. A character will walk in, walk into an, an apartment, and the person will be watching television. And yeah. on the television will be news reports of the th- that are yeah. structured to really service the theme. Telling you that was eventually abandoned. Yeah, by the studio. Yeah, because it was maybe too smart. Yeah, hate them. They're evil. All right. Anyway, Big Mom is like father, like son. This is a Blu-ray DVD combo, and boy, I'll tell you, you gotta see this on Blu-ray. Um, oh. Yeah, no, 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 not no, really. no. Just stop with. You got to see this. You got to see this. You just got to see it. You just got to see it. It's, oh, my gosh. This is the, uh, the Motherload edition as opposed to – no, I guess there haven't been any other editions. This is pretty much it, right? Yeah. The Motherload edition includes bigger laughs with all new extended cut. Oh, really? Seriously? You're going to do that to us? Yeah, this also – so not only – here's the deal. Not only is this a DVD and a Blu-ray combo, it includes a theatrical version and the unrated extended version of a film that really uh, shouldn't ever have been made in the first place. Uh, this is just terrible. Uh, I cannot in any way recommend this. Martin Lawrence is someone I really think just, is – Just die. He, you know what? He can be funny, no, but he, he, needs, he needs better career Not direction possible. at this point. He needs Not better possible. career direction. Not I, it's, possible. No more Big Mama movies, really. No, no, like, they're great. Uh, he should do them forever. Just and to do to do this is like a double now, and a, it's just bad. Oh, but they're going to hand it off to a new generation. And yeah, then, Brandon T. Jackson. I don't even know who Brandon T. Jackson is. He's the guy. He's who'll not be, funny. He's the guy who'll be starring in in Big Mama's Four, which will go straight to DVD. Terrible. Like all those Doctor Doolittle movies that haven't had Eddie Murphy in them for ten years. <laughs> and then uh, Jackass Three Point Five, the unrated movie. And uh, you know this was uh, this was a 3D movie in the theaters. They did not send us the 3D version, just as well. I can't watch these guys do these horrible, sadistic, self-destructive, vile things anymore. It just 
It's so juvenile. How many, you know, at, at this point, it's not, it, they're just thinking up almost self-destructive crap just for the sake of thinking it up. I don't know. Maybe there's a, a real, real white trash movement out there. Maybe it's the people who go to the Testy Festy. Those people are the ones who uh, go to see this movie. Tell people what the Testy Festy is just so that Wait, I'm not. Wait, I remember that. Of course you remember that. You're the one who inflicted it on me. There's, Don't you there's, remember that? There is a, um, <laughs> I haven't thought of that forever. I know you have There is, and they're going to have one this year. There is something called a uh, testicle festival. In Montana. It is. <laughs> you remember more about it than I do. Yeah, because I'm traumatized by it. It scarred me. A testicle festival. It's in, uh, it's in August. I don't know if it's August every year, but it's August this year. Uh, it's dancing and drinking and it's, wet it's, t-shirt it's, contests or it's something. A lot of re- it's a lot of rednecks up in Montana who have this festival out in a big open field for a whole weekend or whatever it is. And all they eat is cuisine. That's right. That is, it's just like fried, boiled, baked, broiled, and uh, and and That's baconized right. uh, bull testicles. That's right. And uh, you know, ultimately, everybody just gets naked, and they have. What did I do for that? Did I do so? I, well, they sent I, it, it to was, you. It was for Roseanne. No, for Roseanne. It was for uh, Kinnear, I thought. No, was it? it was Roseanne. Roseanne. They uh. sent me a. Um, in fact, I may even have it somewhere. They sent me a VHS presentation tape explaining what the testicle festival is and uh, i tried to get us to do a show from there i don't think it ever happened thank goodness testicle festival horrible um you know there were a couple of movies made about this exact same historical incident uh this last year the first one was centurion which was terrible and the second one is the eagle which is also terrible now, there was this incident in uh, the second century where a Roman legion, uh, a legendary Roman legion, wandered up into what uh, we know as Scotland today and vanished. It just vanished. And um, both of these films presume to tell you a little bit about the incident, what led up to it, what followed it. Um, the uh, Centurion is, is very much about the incident. It's a horrible film. We talked about that uh, a little while ago. The Eagle is a lot more disappointing, even though it's... A slightly better film, or not as terrible. Um, the problem here is that this comes from a director who really ought to know better. You know that, Mark? Uh, it is. It is. I mean, you you saw the Last King of Scotland. Oh yeah, and you liked it. I liked it a lot. And, and we didn't. thought we and and didn't Oscar we Oscar winning? Yeah, and didn't we like uh, didn't we like Into the Void, which is kind of the quasi uh, documentary with the dramatic reenactments yeah. in it from the yeah Kevin McDonald. We thought that guy's got it going on. And since that time, Kevin McDonald just has not delivered. He, he's, he's you know, made a, a couple of clunkers, and The Eagle is yet another one. This is a... Uh, but it is Channing Tatum, and yeah. it's just like, it's some, it's just some, it's some gladiator... It's basically, Channing Tatum, Channing Tatum is the son of the guy that led that uh, legendary legion to, uh, to its, its extermination at the hands of these crazy Scottish tribes and... and uh, he now is leading his own legion, and he goes to bring back the eagle, which is the, the coveted standard that they have to, you know, have to preserve Roman pride and all this nonsense. And Jamie Bell is the slave who becomes his ally. And, you know, it just, it's not good action. It's not a good story. And it just feels like a really elaborate, bloody game of capture the flag. That's what it feels like. I just, I could not get with this film on any level whatsoever. And I'm just kind of astonished that, uh, 
Nobody could see that in the script phase. But anyway, I, you know, it's well. It's, look, we get an alternate ending here, and uh, it's a it's a pretty Blu-ray, and uh, that's about it. But you know, other than saying that it's, it it looks good and it's got great audio, I it, this alternate ending is meaningless. And uh, you know, the Kevin McDonald commentary is really disappointing. I'm beginning to wonder if he wasn't just a, you know a one-hit wonder or a two-hit wonder. Could be. I, I mean, know. obviously, we, we we don't know what material he's being offered. He should be writing his own material or picking his own projects and developing it and sling that, that weight around. Otherwise, he's going to become uh, you know, a straight-to-video straight to, to B-movie guy, a television guy in no time. That'd be awesome. Terrible. Just dreadful. Speaking uh, of just dreadful, now Bending the Rules is an uh, interesting film because it stars Bradley Cooper. Now you're saying, whoa, ho, Bradley Cooper, he's got a film that's going straight to DVD, Bending the Rules? Well, uh, ladies and germs, let me tell you something. This was done a little bit before uh, Bradley Cooper became Bradley Cooper. Bradley Cooper. Uh, yeah, see, they're digging up all the stuff that he used to do, and now it's... Uh, what Happens was, all uh, the time. Happens all the time. Uh, so this film is about... Uh, it's funny, he's, he actually winds up getting third billing. Colleen Porch and David Gale get the top billing. And uh, it's directed by someone you've never heard of, written by someone you've never heard of, starring people you've never heard of except for Bradley Cooper. And uh, look, guy's got to start somewhere. <laughs> and the uh, film's not very good. It doesn't matter that Bradley Cooper's in it. It's just not very good. Yeah, that's a bummer. So I'd pass. And uh, we're wrapping out the show. We've got a little bit of time here to lay, lay out a few final titles. The, uh, the Blu-ray for The Boondock Saints is out. Now, The Boondock Saints has somehow managed to maintain a surprisingly strong fan following, uh, more so than most films like this, which kind of amazes me because it's not that good. Uh, you know, Sean Patrick Flannery and Norman Reedus are, are decent in it, but the movie itself is just, you know, it's like any, any of these kind of gritty crime films. And uh, I think there are a lot better movies out there. But that being said, uh, here it is, and it's on DVD, and, or I'm sorry, it's on Blu-ray, and uh, this is the... 10th anniversary release of it and it looks great but uh, what's really much more interesting than this is the backstory of this film which you can actually see in the documentary uh, it's called uh, Star- o- is it Overnight work? Overnight, overnight. That's overnight. overnight. And wherein Troy Duffy uh, you know is sort of exposed he's the writer director of the film and his whole experience making this thing as an overnight success and how it turned into a nightmare that is more interesting he so, hasn't done anything no he's, he's, done. Been, he's been living off this film for years so I, I would say this is a good rental if you're going to watch it with Overnight. Overnight is the film you should be watching. Uh, and this includes uh, you know, a bunch of behind-the-scenes stuff, audio commentary by Troy Duffy, which is decent and, much, and more interesting in tandem with, again, Overnight. Uh, you also get uh, an audio commentary by Billy Connolly on the uh, theatrical cut of this. Uh, which is, you know, in tandem here with the uh, the extended cut, which is really is pretty much the same movie. But uh, Billy Connolly, uh, better in stand-up mode than in uh, audio commentary mode, but uh, still, you know, it's Billy Connolly, for crying out loud. We love Billy. And uh, lastly, there is a thing on here called The Boondock Saints, The Film and the Phenomenon, which I think tries to explain a little bit why this movie has become such a phenomenon, but I don't know that it really satisfied my curiosity or answered all my questions. It still doesn't. I'm still wondering why. I'm I'm not really sure that the uh, film uh, warrants the phenomenon title. It, It doesn't. I mean, honestly. No, it doesn't. So, anyway, that being said, uh, I, I am still on hiatus, obviously, from Stupid for Movies, but I Wait, do encourage you, you to watch Stupid for Movies. Just, uh, just say you quit the show. 
No, well, you, you know. coming back. It's it, okay. We'll move on without you. 2013. That's my return. 2013. <laughs> we'll count the days. Count the days. No, it's uh, it's still a terrific show. Mark is on it, so definitely check out uh, Stupid for Movies with all of the... Uh, all the new movies that are ready to come out, they'll uh, they'll wow you. Whoever Mark has as his co-host, will will just they'll they'll stun you and they'll amaze you. And I'll be there watching with everybody else. Otherwise, email us at gods at digigods.com and we'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs>